Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Be Real podcast. I am your host, Michelle Demuria. I'm so excited for our next guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please let me introduce you to Amanda. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. So why don't we just dive right in, and why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Do you have any favorite hobbies, music, movies, books that you like to enjoy during this fantastic time yeah um i love going to the gym so working out lifting weights running i love doing all that i love hanging out with my dog as far as movies um fight club is (laughs) one of my favorite movies um and then i love harry potter gotta love harry potter so and i don't do a lot of fiction reading right now i do quite a bit of um self-improvement and reading for my business and and things like that but um I haven't read a good fiction novel in a while what kind of dog do you have I have a pit bull oh red nose bull yep big baby yeah I I have a friend that has a pit bull uh her name is B (laughs) well that's perfect my my name is her name is Redding because she's from Redding California so that's awesome. So will you share a little bit about uh, your business and what you do? Sure. So I am a copywriter, ghostwriter, and marketing consultant, So, um, which really covers a wide range of things. I have experience writing grants and federal legislation. Um, I've ghostwritten fictional horror novels. I've written my own self-help book. Um, And then I manage quite a number of podcasts and social media accounts and create content for them as well. So my whole goal is to just give a voice to people and, and help them clarify and present their message in a clear and engaging way. That's so important, especially with those that have mental health challenges. You know, they're always worried about sharing their story, especially if they share it from their point of view, because they're worried about the stigmas that surround mental health What's one piece of advice you'd give someone that would, wants to share their story but's really nervous about the backlash they might get? Um, first off, I mean, I've shared my own personal uh, walk through trauma and getting healing, and um, I can tell you I've received no negative backlash. Uh, backlash. There we go. Words. Um, people love to cheer other people on. They love to support each other. And and when we share about overcoming things or walking through something, we become relatable and we create the opportunity for other people to experience healing and um, being heard as well. So um, uh, my first thing would be to recognize that there's not gonna be a lot of negative (laughs) backlash, if any. and to also, before you share, make sure you go through some trauma therapy beforehand so you don't end up re-triggering yourself in that process. That's really good advice. I think people forget that when you start opening up old wounds that it could lead to a lot of different feelings. And it might be hard to overcome, especially if you've stopped treatment or you're still looking for the right counselor or therapist to help you through that journey. Definitely. I think it's important in the midst of that time to really be gentle and careful with how much you share about what you're going through. Like, obviously, speak about something you're going through, like talk to somebody, 
but as far as sharing it on a public platform, um, make sure you're in a good spot because that can feel really violating and you won't realize it until after it's been shared. You're like, oh, that felt icky. And I don't know why that felt icky. Like, well, you probably need to, to work on it a little bit more before you go public. I think a lot of that has to do with to, uh, your comfort level with your audience. I know for me personally, I tend to share more with, depending on my audience and how they react to my story. And if they're engaged, I may share a little more versus a group that might not be as engaged. Definitely, definitely great point. So even on different social media platforms, I know that I share and talk about mental health differently depending on what platform I'm on. So Instagram is usually where I'm most vulnerable, most raw. Facebook, I taper back a little bit. And then basically LinkedIn, I keep it super professional on there and, and don't really dive into it unless you ask me a direct question. Do you mind diving into your mental health experience a little bit for our listeners this morning? Yeah, sure. No problem. Um, so the cool thing is, is I've found a great trauma therapist and I've been working with him for the past oh Lord, five years or so. So um, I can list this stuff like it's a grocery store list and not have any negative emotions surrounding it. And, and that is feasible. It is doable. There is freedom in that. So I just encourage anybody in the midst of that, like you can get to this point of freedom. So for me, I'm a survivor of sex and labor trafficking. Um, so in that, there's a lot of different kinds of abuse, and that resulted in a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression and suicidal ideation. So that suicidal ideation is something I deal with on a weekly basis. It's, it's just kind of there. So um, the cool thing is, is now like I can recognize it and reroute it rather quickly so it doesn't escalate to anything. Um, and the same with panic attacks. Like I used to have panic attacks on a regular basis, you know, with nightmares and whatnot. Um, and those have basically been resolved, you know, down to maybe once a month, which is really huge for me. Um, I know the mask wearing, uh, with COVID has induced a lot of panic attacks and a lot of negative, um, thoughts again and memories again for a lot of people. I've experienced that as well. The covering of the mouth is, is not a natural thing and it's normally used. Um, in abusive situations. So I know a lot of individuals are struggling with that right now. I, I get it. I, I struggle, um, you know, being a victim of rape. My attacker had his hand over my mouth so I couldn't scream. And so now having that mask on when I'm in the store, I'm like, can I get out of here as fast as I possibly can? Because it's, you're right, the triggers come back. And even though I'm working with a therapist, it's tough when you're in a store with all these people around you. Yeah. Yeah, and there's tension, right? Like everyone's super tense in the store. So then you've got tension, you can feel that tension, and you've got your, it's like, oh God, like I just need to get bananas and go. <laughs> or milk or whatever it is. I just need to get out of here. Yep. Yeah, um, sure. has, has, has COVID helped at all, you know, when it comes to your mental health challenges, or has it made it worse, or has it kind of allowed you to explore different things since we've been locked up for feels like a lifetime? <laughs> Well, I'm in Florida, so we're not as locked down as a lot of the country is, which I'm super, super grateful for. Um, so, like, I can still go to the gym in the morning, um, and I don't have to wear a mask there. Um, and a lot of places I can still go without wearing a mask um, and getting what I need to get done. 
So I'm super blessed in that aspect. Um, before when it was super shut down, um, it was good and bad, right? So it was bad in the fact that the depression did come on a little stronger because it's like when you're not productive and when you're not doing your normal routine, that leaves a lot of room for a lot of negative or positive stuff. And I feel like if you're passive in that, it's going to just automatically fill with negative if you have a mental health issue. Um, and then the positive was I was able to connect with a lot of really incredible people online. It was beautiful the way online communities just exploded in the warmth, in the positivity, in the support that I found online in a couple different groups was really incredible. Um, and I was able to forge a lot of great new relationships online, business and uh, personal. So that was really cool to see. That's awesome. And you're right. There's been a lot of online support. Some you have to be careful of because some of the groups are like split half and half. So, you know, for us that mm -hmm. might be struggling more, we may have to take ourselves out of those groups and find groups that are more positivity versus, you know, let's bash everything wrong with the country right now. Right. Yeah. I think definitely being selective of what you're feeding on, what you're taking in and being super mindful of that is, it's obviously always important, but even now that much more important. So are there any favorite foods that you like to eat to kind of help you when you're going through your mental health ups and downs, highs and lows, how some people call it, or are you real good about staying healthy and every once in a while maybe having a something that you normally wouldn't have? I mean, I'm normally pretty good. Um, just because when I eat better, I feel better, I think better, I work better, like everything's better when I've got, you know, live good food coming in. But I will tell you, man, I've been chowing down on Taco Tuesday. I've been going all in on Taco Tuesday. <laughs> I love tacos. I love anything tacos. Get it to me. Anything Mexican I love. So that's my advice. What about you? Um, I, there's, there's this Mexican place that makes this chicken and avocado salad. It's in one of those like taco fried taco bowls and it's got the, their avocado dressing. I could eat that every day. We go like once a week. My mom loves menudo. So she gets her menudo and I get my salad and yeah, I just go to town. I make my own tacos. <laughs> Sounds amazing. You're making me hungry right now. It, it is so good. I, I just happened to drive driving by our mall. It's now closed and it was right there. And I was like, I'm going to try. I've been going there like six years now. Every every Friday, it's menudo and, and chicken and avocado salad. That's our rich, except for when fish season is during Holy Week, then I can't have it. I'm very sad, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. But other than Holy Week, it's, it's, you got your taco game on. Yeah. Um, I try to stay away from from going out a lot because of, of what happened to me so and right now I'm real cautious because I have family members with underlying conditions so I try to limit how much exposure I have outside of of my home <laughs> yeah you gotta do what's right for you right so I, I love that you're aware of your needs as an individual and are having being kind enough to yourself to respect those needs it's huge and I think a lot of people try to like power through it or I shouldn't feel this way well no you're right you shouldn't feel this way but that thing shouldn't have happened either right. so here you are and recognizing what you need and how to address those needs in a healthy way it's super important and I love that you brought that up and I think you're right it, it's tough when you're dealing with whether it's trauma or a mental health challenge or a mental wellness 
you feel bad because you're trying to take care of yourself when everybody around you is struggling and you're like, wait a minute, I need to take care of me right now. But then you get that negative energy of why are you being selfish right now? You should be doing this, this, and this. If I don't take care of myself, I'm not going to be good for anybody. Man, you can't pour from an empty cup, 100%. And I think a lot of people don't realize it's like the most selfless, kindest thing I can do for you is be the very best version of me. Because when I'm operating in health, that's infectious, right? Like just like a virus, like me being healthy makes you a better person too. And me smiling at you makes you smile back. Like that's how it works. It's that simple. Um, but for whatever reason, like you said, people struggle to see, to see that for what it is. And I think that's just hurt, right? When people feel hurt or they feel not taken care of, they're going to lash out at people who are doing what they need to do to take care of themselves because it's exposing uh, their weakness. So well, the natural thing. Yep. You're absolutely right. And then right now, because it's not the new, it's, we have a new norm, you know, Zoom meetings, Zoom happy hours, no more big parties, no more going to sporting events, concerts, movies outside. We don't know how to live life in the new norm, so to speak. Yeah, everyone's adjusting. And with, with any change, there's always um, a lot of confusion and an adjustment period. And people have very stark views and very uh, and are have really intense emotions attached to those views about what that should look like. And and the thing is, is we're all different humans and we require all different kinds of things. Like we got the basic needs of shelter, food, water, right, um, and oxygen. But everything else, I don't know what's in your body. I don't know what your hormones are saying. I don't know what you've experienced. Um, or your upbringing. So that could, that, man, what I need looks completely different from what you need. And what my new normal is, is going to look completely different from yours. And that's not wrong. Those are right. It's right for us, right? Right. So what do you do for self-care? Do you unplug? Do you toss the phone away for a day or so and say, I'm done with social media for a while? <laughs> I don't know if anybody actually does that. <laughs> actually, I did for a week. Did you? Well, I went to Connecticut last year. I did not get Ooh. on social media the entire week I was there. I spent my vacation with my family, nothing on social media. Well, bravo. Like, <laughs> props to you. I'm sure that felt amazing. I, the only time I've ever done that is I was in Africa and I was on safari. So I didn't have, I didn't even have the option of being connected at that point. But um, for self-care, um, again, it's, it's working out, like breaking a sweat really helps me um, silence the voices that are vying for my attention that aren't the, the nicest ones right in my head. They, they, if I run, it exhausts them and they shut up and let the other good voices talk, right? <laughs> and now I sound really crazy. But uh, working out is, is my therapy as a form of therapy for me is a form of disconnecting and I just turn on my music and, you know, I don't have any notifications. It's just me seeing what my body can do. And, and I really love that. And then I, I like knitting too. So uh, when it's couch time, it's couch time. I'm not on my phone. I'm knitting and I'm engaging with my husband and watching TV, you know, just chilling out. I crochet. I tried knitting and I always would, could never get that started. So I did, I do crochet. I'm a crocheting person. Knitting, my grandmother tried to teach me when I was younger and I could not get that first row started. I said, forget it. I'm done. <laughs> 
I haven't even tried to crochet, so maybe that's something else I'll start picking up on. It's good for your fingers. It helps with arthritis or keeping you from getting arthritis, so that's why I do it because it keeps your fingers strong. Well, I'm a I'm a writer, so that's probably something I might want to invest in so I don't get arthritis. <laughs> yeah. Can you talk a little about what a ghostwriter is? I don't think a lot of people understand what that is as far as how that process works. Sure. So the super basic straightforward thing is, is I write for you and you get all the credit. <laughs> like my name doesn't go anywhere on it. Um, and normally people don't know when a ghostwriter is being employed. So a lot of big time authors will use ghostwriters to write like they're in between chapters. Uh, and then the main author will write, you know, the big important parts. But um, so like Stephen King, like a lot of these big authors actually use uh, ghostwriters to help fill in the gaps for him per se. Um, and then I'm like, I ghost wrote a novel for someone. He had like the bones basically of the story. And then I took those bones and I, you know, developed it into a full foot muscle and skin and tendons on it. And uh, there's a process. So he was approving every single chapter of like, yes, this aligns with my vision. And just basically he's not a writer, which is totally fine. He's a great storyteller, however. And he is a great horror aficionado. Like he loves horror. So he had the mind for it. He just needed someone to do the work for him. And I did it. So actually that's coming out in November. So that was pretty exciting. Ooh. But um, so yeah, ghostwriting can look like a fictional book. It can look like social media posts. It can look like um, proposals, speeches, uh, basically anything that basically I take my client's voice and their personality and I pretend I'm them and I write for them. So that's a little different than having an alias, right? Because I think some people get the misconception a ghostwriter is someone that doesn't want their identity revealed. Yeah, so an alias would be something that I create for myself. Like I'm still the writer for myself. I'm just writing under a different name. A ghostwriter is someone who doesn't get their name printed anywhere or no credit for their writing. They just get paid for it. So that makes sense. Thank you for the clarification. Like I said, I've had people ask me, I'm like, I don't know what the difference is. I'll ask. <laughs> yeah, sure. No problem. I had to I had to Google it at one point in my life too. So <laughs> it's all good. There was a show called Ghostwriter too back in the day on PBS or something. And they used, they used to, it was like a mystery kid show, if I remember. I used to watch it when I was younger. Notes would be like all, and it was called Ghostwriter. And I can't remember for the life of me when it was on, but I remember a show sort of like that back in the day. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I mean, I'm not that cool, so I don't, I, I didn't really watch TV when I was a kid, so. <laughs> The only thing I watched when I was a kid was Thundercats and She-Ra. Those were my two go-to <laughs> cartoons when I was little. I remember watching Wishbone. Oh, that was a good one, too. I watched Wishbone, and then I, sometimes I get to watch Gilligan's Island. Ah. But that's, that's all I really remember. <laughs> um, what are some of the things you like to do when you're feeling like a panic attack coming on? What are some, like tips you could give our listeners that you know might be experiencing it for the first time so I know a lot of people compare a panic attack to a heart attack and end up in the hospital but they're two totally different things right. yeah so when I first feel a panic attack coming on and it's pretty early I'm feeling panicky I try to make sure I go through like my checklist of okay have I eaten 
recently? Do I need to eat? Do I need to drink water? Um, and really try to tune into what my physical needs are because a lot of those physical things might trigger, you know, a panic or some trauma in you. So recognizing, okay, do I need to get outdoors? Do I need water? Do I need food? If those things check off and it's not that, then I start like my emotional, um, basically checks and balances of like, okay, like what made me feel this way? Like maybe why am I feeling this way? And if I can discover that, is it true? Is it not true? And then we go through that whole game. If I am like on the verge of hyperventilating and passing out, I usually sit on my kitchen floor and I start going through my five senses. And I start saying, okay, you know, I can feel and start describing my five senses and what I'm feeling. Like, okay, the cold floor is underneath me. It's hard. It's not necessarily com you know, comfortable. I can feel like the cold coming through my pants. Um, my hair is really crazy today. It's actually in a tight bun in the back and it's pulling. And I start just going through all of my senses because that really grounds me to what's happening right now in the reality right now and brings me back to the present instead of in that memory, that triggered emotion, that PTSD, it brings me right back to what's real and what's happening right now. And then once I start bringing myself down, I'll start asking questions of, is that thing happening to me right now? No. Am I in danger right now? No. You know, am I safe right now? Yes. You know, um, and just start quizzing myself and speaking truth basically back to myself right now. That's that's actually really good. I didn't I didn't even think about the five senses. You know, I think people forget. It's even the simplest things that can help us kind of ease through the trauma and everything kind of going on that moment when that fear sets in and you feel unsafe, your mind goes in so many different directions. Yeah, yeah, and really anchoring yourself to what's real right now and instead of made up stories or assumptions or ideas, like, well, what's happening right now? I'm talking to Michelle right now. I'm kind of hot because the sun's coming in and I need to turn the AC up, you know, a little bit more. <laughs> like, <laughs> yourself back down to right now in this moment and stay engaged in the present. PTSD impacts people differently. Are there any tips, tools, resources that work for you that you might be able to share what to our, for our listeners? Because I know, like I said, it impacts us all differently. Triggers are different for us. I'm always looking for new resources because since PTSD is, is so unique, as I like to call it, because you never know what's going to set off a trigger. Yeah, so um, that uh, technique I just mentioned, like the five senses is what I do, because usually my panic attacks are a result of my PTSD. Um, or even wearing the mask is a struggle, and I'll get in my car and just start sobbing, you know, just because it's, ugh, it's so icky. Um, so a lot of times I count which I'm not a really good counter. Like I always lose track, but I try, right? <laughs> so I um, count in and I breathe in. One, two, three, four, five, hold for three, and then release for five. And I'll do that three, four, five times. Um, and that breaks that fight or flight mode. And that takes your body out of survival mode. Um, also like opening your jaw a little bit more. So usually when you're in fight or flight mode, you clench your jaw. And that sends a prompt to your nervous system that you're in danger. Um, so if you just like focus on, okay, I'm going to drop my jaw, release it a little bit, open my mouth a little bit, it'll also break that um, 
chemical reaction and neural reaction in your brain to allow you to de-escalate yourself. So the counting, the five senses, the breathing, uh, and the releasing of the jaw are the, the four things. <laughs> See, I struggle with counting. Those are the four things that uh, uh, really help me and the four things that I use over and over and over again. Well, thank you for sharing those tips. Those are actually really good ones. I, I didn't know about the jaw because I don't really pay attention to that because, you know, when my episodes hit, I'm, I'm more worried. I'm more worried about what people are going to around me think of me while I'm having that episode in the middle of public because there's a, always a, you know, fear of someone's not going to understand what you're going through. Well, I think a lot of communication goes a long way. So if you do start freaking out, Whoever is next to you or whoever is looking at you find be like, hey, I'm, I'm about to have a panic attack right now. I'm really sorry. Like, this is what's happening. I think people will be like, oh, holy cow, what can I do for you? I think people are a lot kinder than we assume they are. Because all we see are the bad, bad things on TV, right? All we see what's highlighted are the horrible bad people. I think humanity as a whole is really kind. Um, and really seeking to support someone else. Because like, if you said that to me, if you were next to a store and you started freaking out next to me, and you said, I'm having a panic attack. I'd be like, all right, girl, let's go. What's your five senses? Like, where, you know? like I would jump into full, like, let's help a sister out mode. Um, and I know I can't be the only person like that. And you're right. I just think because with everything that's gone on in our world with mass shootings and everything else that's happened over the past, since 9-11, people are extra cautious to ask for that help because they don't know what the person next to them is going through. They don't know, you know, you know, the famous quote, not all wounds are visible. And so we as individuals tend to not want to ask for help because we don't know what people's reaction is going to be. Yeah. And then that's fair. You got to definitely, obviously, you know, exercise, you know, some discernment in the midst of that. But, um, yeah, there's definitely a balance to it, right? You mentioned a self-help book. Do you mind sharing what the name of it is and a little summary about what the book's about? Sure. So I wrote a book called Subconsciously Conscious, and it's actually a guided journal. So it takes up a type for anybody, personality like me. Um, it teaches them the law of attraction gratitude and visualization, mental rehearsal, and teaches someone how to incorporate those habits into a daily routine. It takes, you know, 15 minutes. Let's say they're not very good at journaling, which is totally fine, but you want to make it something that you do every day. So this just gives you the framework to build that into your morning routine. Um, and I really believe in law of attraction. I really believe in uh, visualization. I've seen some incredible things come out of it and it's been proven in science. So it's not all woo woo. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to help people create a better future for themselves. Like I, I don't think people realize how powerful their thoughts and their words are. So um, that's what that's, uh, and the second edition is going to be released pretty soon here too. So I'm pretty excited about that. Where can we find the first right edition? Now the first edition. <laughs> it's on Amazon. So if you just look up subconsciously conscious, it's on there. Um, and the new edition, I think should be out in about a month. So, well, I'm not, and I might push it back because I haven't really marketed well for it. I market for everybody else but myself. <laughs> That's, isn't that how it always is though? Even when we're helping other people, we always help everybody else and then we get burnt out. We're like, wait a minute, 
self-care day let's let's take it a yeah. step back and let's have a non-alcoholic cocktail or you know something something yummy to drink mm -hmm. <laughs> yep i gotta add myself to my own client list <laughs> <laughs> do you make sure you take days where you don't work at all where you kind of just or is that kind of always a routine of yours for each day or is it like a little bit every day or is it one day a couple of days is a week or how, how does your how does your unplug from work work <laughs> it's really hard right because i'm i'm a high achiever i love working like in a lot of my identity in the past a lot of my identity has been wrapped up in what i can do so it's definitely something that i have to keep tabs on or i'll run myself into the ground so usually by seven o'clock um it i'm like no go like after that point there's no work being done i'm not looking at my phone unless there's some sort of crazy kind of emergency right um and then sundays uh no work day as well so i always keep sunday off yeah sunday's my self-care day especially when football's on but you know since sports are kind of in limbo right now i'm patiently yeah. praying and for the safety of all the players and staff and everybody involved. But at the same time, I want my football back. <laughs> right, right, I hear ya. My, my dad's a really huge football fan. We watch a lot of MMA, like UFC, which thank God is still happening, uh, and rugby and cricket in my house, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm a NFL and NHL person with some soccer wrapped in there, but I usually watch NFL for my PTSD because I love yelling at the Cardinals when they're playing stupid and doing some stupid play to cause them to have penalties. It's a great way to release the yeah. stress that I'm dealing with. <laughs> That's one way to do it. Yes, ma'am. Whatever works for you. Um, do you ever give advice on how to journal? Like if someone's stuck, they want to journal, but they're, or is that a part of the, in the self-help book as well? Or is there more techniques that you can provide? Because I know people ask me, what do I use for journaling? I say, I just sit down and write, but do you have any niches that work when it comes to journaling for those that might be suffering with mental health challenges? Sure. Um, I mean, that's part of the reason why I wrote that book. Um, I think gratitude's a huge part, man. Like if you take a moment to realize how blessed we all really are like the fact that we're talking on a phone you know and we have internet and we have this ability to connect with people that's a blessing that's huge i'm so grateful for that i'm so grateful that we met i'm so grateful that we have the time and the ability to do this like there's so many things to be grateful for and starting your day off just listing things you're grateful for even waking up is a blessing having oxygen, being able to move your arms, being able to journal is a blessing. Not everybody has that ability um, or the like mental capacity or the physical ability to do it. So I think starting with gratitude every day, if you don't know what to write, just start writing things you're grateful for. Um, and the next thing you know, you'll be so happy <laughs> and you'll be so pumped about life um, and it'll set you up for success for the rest of the day. You know, you'll be looking for wins. When you look for wins, you find wins. When you look for trouble, you find trouble. So I'd just say be grateful and look for the wins. What would be your advice for those just starting out their journey? You know, they just maybe have been recently diagnosed or they're still in limbo of, of reaching out to a counselor, but they, they know that they need that guidance. What would be your own personal uh, opinions, advice to give someone that's really struggling right now and, and, and they don't know who to turn to? 
Well, there's a lot of great resources online. So, um, I mean, I know when I was first diagnosed, I didn't have my trauma therapist, but I started Googling everything and trying to gather as much knowledge as I could about it. Now we're in a weird state where truth is kind of hard to come by and you don't really know what's real and what's not even now on the internet. So to that, I would say like start with one of these online coaches or online therapists, you know, and like better help is one of them. Like start there to kind of like get you where you need to go. Um, Cause that will give you insight too. Like, do you need to talk to a male? Do you need to talk to a female? Um, you can start zeroing in on what exactly you need to get you healthy. And then I would say books, man, I got so many, I started with Tony Robbins and I went down the motivational self-help, you know, rabbit hole. And there's some great stuff. There's not some not so great stuff, but no matter what, there's always a lesson to be learned. So um, the book I am by Howard Falco really changed my life and helped me through um, my trauma in my early, early stages. So that's a book I really suggest people reading. If you don't mind giving advice to those who might have been in sex trafficking, <clears throat> what would be some advice you would give to them, especially if they're finally out of it, but they're like, where in the world do I go now? How do I start the healing process? Um, the good news is, is there's a lot of awareness around this issue um, now more than ever before. So there's a lot of fantastic organizations uh, in every single state. So I would say Google um, an anti-sex trafficking organization and there will be advocates there that know the laws inside out, that know about benefits, resources that are free um, and available and part of federal legislation that are available to um, those people, but that's um, different each state. So make sure you reach out to someone within your state. Um, there's an organization called CELA Freedom, S-E-L-A-H, Freedom, uh, and they're a uh, domestic anti-sex trafficking organization that covers all the U.S. and they're fantastic. So if you don't know where to go, just go to them first and they'll connect you to everything you'll need as far as resources, funding for housing, relocation, therapy, support groups, like they're fantastic. Yeah, I know right now they say it's on the rise again because of COVID and people, I heard in Texas and even I heard one of the hotels was didn't know that they're actually renting it out for that. So I hear right now it's on the rise again. And it's scary because you just never know what's going on out there because they're so just they're trying to be so discreet about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it it is what it is. Um, I would say just keep keep your eyes open, your head up and uh, just keep engaging, you know, in therapy and and the more aware you are, the more you are rooted in who you are as far as your morals and your codes, then the more um, successful you're going to be and the more successful people are going to be around you. That's really good advice because, like I said, I, I don't know anybody personally. I, I mean, I've encountered people at events I've been to, but I, I can't even begin to imagine what that's like. But I think the more people can hear from those that have experienced it and have, over, have overcome it, then they know that, that they can do it themselves because there's always that, am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to be able to come out on the other side? Yeah, definitely. There's always hope, man. Like, no matter where you've been, you can have the life that you want, that you dream of. Um, like, I've been in some rough places, but here I am sitting in my home. I've got my dog. I've got my man. I've got a house. Like, it's beautiful. Life is good. <laughs>
Um, and it took a lot of work to get here. But if you're willing to roll up your sleeves and go to work and be honest with yourself, you can create the future you want. You can down, you can create the future you want, no matter what cards you're dealt. Um, so if people want to get in touch with you on social media, what's the best way to find you? Instagram. So on Instagram, um, I'm Amanda Cat, C-A-T. All together, no spaces, no nothing, Amanda Cat. Uh, I'm more than happy if anybody wants to shoot me a DM, I'm more than happy to talk. Um, what about a website? Is there a website they can find to check out your ghostwriting and all that good stuff to see if they're interested in working with you? Yeah, uh, my website is inkery, I-N-K-E-R-Y, co, C-O, dot com. Very cool. So any last minute advice to anybody that might just be, okay, I need, I need some uplifting empowerment right now. I'm really, really struggling and I have no idea what to do. I'm just going to sit here in my pajamas, drink my cup of coffee and let the world and the day go by. Um, I would say this is not your practice life. This is the only one you get. So um, in the name of self-help and self-love, you know, make sure you're active and you're proactive and you're engaged in your life. You call the shots. Uh, you can change your life in one decision or two. And if you need help with that, you reach out to Michelle or me. <laughs> You know, I, I, I want to say thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I mean, I, I've met a lot of incredible people, and I, I get to add you to that incredible list of people that I've met because your story is so inspiring. I, I mean, I like I said before, I can't even begin to imagine what you've been through, but the fact that you were able to overcome that and you're still overcoming that is such an inspiration to, not, to myself. And I know all of our listeners are going to be inspired by your story because, you know, when you are sexually assaulted, it's a whole other realm of trauma that you're mm -hmm. dealing with because your innocence is ripped away, your trust in men is ripped away, and to be able to slowly get that back, it, it's tough because you, you, you finally get four steps ahead and you go six steps backwards, four steps ahead. And so to hear your story and to hear your journey has been such an inspiration. So I thank you so much for sharing it with us today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. I mean, there's always hope. There's always hope. So nobody's too far gone. So I, I firmly believe that and I've experienced that. So yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you again. And hopefully you'll come back on again at the end of the year. You know, we're always, we, we'd love to have you on yeah. again. And, you know, maybe, maybe at that time we'll be talking about my book. I'm working on my book right now, but I get like three chapters done. Oh. I'm like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard writing it in first person. <laughs> we're going to have to talk about that a little bit later, a little bit offline. We're going to have to have a conversation about that. <laughs> Sounds good. Again, thank you so much. I will have her podcast up uh, next week and I'll have all of her social media links, hanging in touch with her. And again, thank you so much, Amanda, for joining us today. My pleasure. Have Bye. a good one. You too.